seat. Come on in and grab a seat. If you are new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, really good to see you. My name's Matt, one of the vicars. And uh, it's really exciting. If you are new here, if, you, if you're a guest here, uh, welcome. So good to see you. Uh, my email is matt, um, Hit me up. I'd love to eat for coffee and uh, get to know you and uh, hope you be part of the family. We're going to start a brand new series today, uh, looking at our vision, looking at what makes us us, what makes some mats some mats, what makes us do the things that we do. And um, if you are a guest, hopefully explain a little bit about who we are and how we do stuff and why we do it. And uh, we're looking at prayer tonight. I think prayer is the universal activity that every single person on the planet would admit to, whether they are an atheist or an agnostic or a religious person or whether they're a Christian. Or I think that, that prayer is this universal thing that everybody does. And uh, some people are like, I don't know why I do it, but I, I would admit to doing it. Other people are like, if I've got someone who's really ill that I love, I'll pray for them. And other people are like, no, I, I, I want to pray as much as I possibly can do. But I think that that prayer is this universal thing that um, everybody does that draws every single person on the planet together. This mysterious activity that nobody quite understands how it works, but everyone admits to doing at some point in life. Our dream is that uh, you, would, you would call this place home. Our dream is that you would find your belonging here, that you would know that this is your family, that these are your friends, that, that you find your home here, that you can belong here. And uh, we really believe that a healthy model of belonging is that you would get involved in a, in a group, a midweek group where you can invest in the life of people, that you can be invested in, that you can disciple each other. We believe that we would love you to, to give. This is a family and uh, you know, we want you to muck in financially. We believe that you have like, giftings and talents that you can serve, you can give your time to, you can change the shape, the landscape of this, this space by giving your, your, um, your time to, your energy to, your headspace to. And finally, we believe that everyone is praying. Because it changes things. Because it makes a difference. Everybody involved. Part of a group. Praying, serving, giving. I don't know about you, but there is some communication that feels really easy. And some communication that feels really difficult. There are some friends that I meet on a regular basis that I don't think about beforehand. You know, like I, just, I just enjoy my time with them. It flows. It's easy. There's a bit of banter. There's a lot of laughter. It just seems easy. There are some people that I meet on a regular basis that I have to prep before I meet. You ever got people like this you know, in your life where you're like, some people it's really easy and some people you're like, oh my gosh, if I say that, it's going to have this knock on and here's the eggshells that I'm avoiding and if I, I can't possibly go. Have you got friends like this? And uh, you just, whatever you say, it is wrong. Like that's, that's it. Whether you, whether you have miscommunicated, whether it's been misinterpreted, whether you've said something deliberately or by accident, it is always going to be wrong. Some communication is easy and some communication is just painfully hard. I wonder whether um, you have friends like this. Should I check? Should I, is this horrible, this microphone? It sounds horrible to me. Is it all right? It's all right? Yeah, good. Okay, thanks so much. Uh, this is not a monologue. I want to say this. this is, not, is this your first time in church? We don't do monologues. Uh, if it's crap, you can say, this is crap. And if it's all right, you can encourage me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it will not be the worst thing someone chat at me. I promise you that much. It's not crap. Thanks so much. 
I, uh, anyone in a long-term relationship here? Anyone in a long-term relationship here? Anyone just started a new relationship? Re- no, I'm joking. Uh, put your hand up. If you're, no, 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 no. Um, if you come here tonight with someone that you know, you're not going to go there. Um, where are we going with this? Oh, Laura and I. Laura and I. I've been married at uh, my wife for a while. We've been dating uh, about 10 years, about a decade we've been together. And um, I remember in the early days of a relationship, Laura is an amazing like, planner. She'll find the, the best, most idyllic locations to find like, time together. She'll like, plan the best restaurants that she knows that I will love and she will love. We've, she finds these spaces that are just really beautiful. And when we first got together, we would spend like, all day trying to work out like, adjectives and verbs to like, describe how much we love each other. We'd come with these like, really long lists of like, I love you because of like, it was all day. And, um, you know, now, 10 years on, our communication is a bit different. Our communication is like, oh, he stinks. You know, we've got an 18-month-old. I tell you, what, the best way I can say that I love you is that I'll change that nappy. Our communication has changed. I'm like, watch the cat sick. You know, like, she's about to explode. Like, be careful in here. Our communication has changed. And it's changed for the better. You know, like, rather than having to work out 15 different ways to say, I love you. Now when I say, Laura, I love you. I choose you. I want you. She's like, I, I, I know that. It's not complicated. It's not long-worded. She, she gets it because we've gone the distance together. Because we've been through some painful stuff and some great stuff. Because there's been things in life that have been a curveball and some stuff that's been real straightforward. Because we've proven to each other that we are faithful. Because we've loved each other. Because we care for each other. And we show each other. Because the, the non-verbal communication is more in sync than it ever has been before. When I say to Laura today, I love you, I don't need to find 15 million words to say that. She's like, I know that. There are times when she's like, come on, expand, and she watches me sweat. And that is good and healthy. But the same is true with God, isn't it? Sometimes when you've been going the distance, it's okay to say, God, I love you. And there are other times where he's like, come on, like, tell me. Like, I want to remind you again the times that I've been faithful to you. I want to remind you the times that it's been hard and I've been there. I want to remind you the times that I pulled out the miraculous in a way that you never thought was going to be possible. And I think that with God, we need to get a little bit more loose with the way that we communicate. I think with God, we've got this formulaic kind of approach that is not working. And actually, he's just like, come tell me. Come say it how it is. Let's speak honestly and openly. I've been vicaring for about a decade. And um, you know, like what happens when you vicar for a decade is that you, you, you inevitably find people who have never prayed before. And you say, come on, let's pray together. And you pray these prayers. And then you look to them and you say, why don't you pray now? And they look at you and you're like, they look at you like, you are crazy. And you say, no, come on, let's pray. And they look at you like, and they come out with these things that are just beautiful and wonderful. They, they address God in ways that I would never address God because, because there's a formality there, which is like, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord and Savior, and I love you. I remember this one time where, um, this is going completely off script, and I don't quite know where this is going to land, but I'm just giving you forewarning. Uh, um, a friend of mine, um, he came to church for the first time, and his other friend, they got in a fight the night before, and his nose was like wonky. You know, like, 
right angle. And uh, I said, why don't we pray for this guy's face? And the guy was like, are you having a laugh? And I was like, no, 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 we're going to pray for his face. And my friend said, oh, Lord, I can remember the prayer vividly. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my friend. You know, thank you. Like, he listed these things. Like, I'm so sorry. Last night, my friend got in this altercation to no fault of his own. And he woke up this morning with a black eye and a wonky nose. And Lord, if there is any way, if there is any way you could possibly, you know, restore this beautiful man's face to how it once was, then we would all be eternally grateful. And he looks at me and I go, Lord, that face is ugly. Please heal it. And he's like, whoa. And um, it's funny, isn't it, how sometimes in life we need to learn to both, to both say to God, I adore you for these 15 million reasons. And we need to learn from the people who have just entered the faith or are just joining the church or not even sure that they are Christians yet, but they, that they pray. And we learn the way that they, that they pray because sometimes the, form, the, the informality that we have leads us to a place where we're like, God, heal this ugly face. Where he's like, no, I want you to speak truth over that person. I want you to speak truth of who I am and, and what I'm going to do. And see, there's, a, there's an informality that we are going for, but there's also a way of saying, God, I think that you are God and you are Lord and you are true and you do love me and you are for me and you are the God who made you know, the heavens and the earth and you are here and you are present and you are Lord of all and you are our Lord and Savior. And we need to learn both and is what I'm trying to say. There's a beautiful moment in the, in the Bible where um, we see, I think, the most real and honest prayer that is recorded. There's a story, basically, where one of Jesus' closest friends has died. And uh, Jesus was basically partying just a few hours away. And they said to Jesus all week, he's going to die, he's going to die, he's going to die. And Jesus is like, it's cool, it's fine. And they're like, he's going to die, what are you talking about? And he dies. And these two sisters of the guy, Lazarus, who's dead, come to Jesus. And they had this really frank exchange. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And, um, and then we see the way that Jesus speaks uh, to his father in heaven. And it's just beautiful. And it goes something along the lines of, this is found in uh, John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' best mates who records the life of Jesus. And he records the story in this way. Martha is one of the sisters. Lord, Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause. If you had been here, he wouldn't be dead. This is, this is what we're facing right now. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And we jump down a few um, verses it says this Mary Mary's the other sister she reaches the place where Jesus was and she saw him she fell at his feet and said Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died she repeats the words of her sister when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see Lord they replied and Jesus wept Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Once more, Jesus was deeply moved and he came to the tomb. It was carved in stone, laid across the entrance. Take that stone away, Jesus said. 
But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour. He's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I know that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, he called into the tomb in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands and his feet wrapped in the strips of linen and the cloth around his face, the grave clothes, the embalming and stuff that they used. Jesus said, Take off your grave clothes and let him go. I love this interaction. I love the way that Mary and Martha speak to Jesus. I love that they call a spade a spade. If you had bothered to get here quicker, if you were, if you were here with the people that you loved, if you weren't out partying, if you weren't with people who you're never going to see again, you know, you, your friend wouldn't be dead, Jesus. Know the tone, know the brutality, know the, the rawness in the voice. Jesus, you said that you loved him, but you couldn't even be bothered to walk a few hours. When he was at grave's peril, you were out there. Where were you, Jesus? What were you doing? Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't be dead. Know the interaction. I love watching this interaction. I love hearing it, the rawness, the realness. And then note the way that Jesus speaks to his Father. See, both, both possess a powerful but sometimes deadly weapon, familiarity. Familiarity is our desire when it comes to prayer. Note the quickness the graphicness of how Martha, Martha isn't holding anything back. He has been dead a long time and it is going to smell. Her communication with Jesus is real. It's frank. This is not poetry. This is honesty. It's bold. This is Martha ugly crying, makeup running down her face, mascara leaving two visible lines, screaming at her friend. He is dead because of you. Note the scene. Imagine screaming that at one of your best friends. This is, this is real life. My brother is dead and it is all your fault. This is real. But I, I, I want to say today, this is potentially the most effective prayer that we see. This is the most honest prayer that we probably see. Why? Because Mary and Martha are at their ends. They've been holding it together for a long time and it's just, it's just coming out. This is not a, a polite moment that you might see in the, in, in the royal household where they're like Bridgerton like dressed up in their fancy attire and in these gorgeous homes and, and you know, eating from like silver service and you know, like being waited on. And this is not like that at all. This is real people facing real life, feeling like you and I, and allowing their innermost feelings to come to the surface in front of Jesus. Familiarity is our goal. 
because it breeds informality. But informality is deadly because it also breeds contempt. Contempt leads to the belief that if you had been here, if you had been here, my right is that he shouldn't be dead. Informality and contempt says, I know who you are, God, and I deserve better. See, see, contempt is a killer because what it does is it takes a half-truth and magnifies it, draws it out, and makes it something that it was never meant to be. If you had been here, he would not have been dead. You know, Jesus, if you had been here, I wouldn't have been dumped. If you'd been here, I wouldn't be in the red. If you'd been here, I would have been pregnant by now. If you'd been here, I would have got the grades I deserved and I would have got into Oxford. No offence. If you'd been here, I wouldn't have to fire my employees. If you'd been here, I would have got the gig. If you'd been here, I would have got the girl. If you'd been here... My life would look nothing like this. If you'd been here, I wouldn't have the scars that I have. If you'd been here, I wouldn't have the financial difficulties that I have. If you'd been here, I wouldn't be like this. If you had been here, my life would be totally different. If you had been here, if you bothered to care, everything would be different. See, the way that, 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 that this is so different to the way that Jesus prays. See, we jump in like Mary and Martha but we don't have the physical person of Jesus to just gently put a finger on our lips and do the miraculous. See, in this moment, as, as they're about to kick off, Jesus, he looks up. This is a visual cue that something big is about to happen. This is the, this trademark kind of thing that tells everybody, watch out, like Jesus is about to perform the miraculous. He looks up and he calls out to his Father in heaven, and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walks out. Familiarity is our desire. It's our goal, but it, it should never come at the cost of contempt. So you compare this to Jesus. It says this, Jesus raised his eyes towards heaven, said to his father, I thank you that you have always heard me I knew that you always hear me and you listen to me next slide please I knew that you always hear me listen to me I've said this for people standing around me so that they will believe that you have sent me and that you have made me your representative See, know the way that Jesus loves and he cares and he speaks. Know the familiarity in his call. Know the way that he, he speaks. Know the way that he prays. Know the way that he says, God, I know who you are and I know who I am. I know who you've sent me to be. I know how this works. Know that Jesus is saying, God, I trust you. God, I understand how you operate. There's a clear familiar bond like an old married couple that read each other's minds and finish each other's sentences. Jesus models the union between how humanity was created to be and how it should interact with the divine. It both brings God glory and it normalizes this relationship. See, on the one breath, he's like, God, I trust that you are the governor of the world. I trust that you are Lord. I trust that you are king. He prays a bit like my friend did. He's like, I trust that you are who you say you are. And on the other breath, he's like, let's externally process 
what we've been internally dialoguing about all this time. I need you to hear this. In this moment, he's like, let's show these guys what we've been doing business about all this time. Let's show them the conversation that we've had. Let's externally show the world what we've been internally dialoguing about. See, prayer, I think controversially, and you can disagree with me later, is designed to be both deeply personal and inconveniently corporate. I think it's designed to be deeply personal and inconveniently corporate. There are things that God wants to do with just the two of you. There are things that God wants to do and go places and be just the two of you. Yeah, that's why he designed things like fasting. Fasting is the deliberate giving up of food in order to see spiritual breakthrough in one part of your life or another. You give it up for an agreed period of time and you say, God, I, I want to see you move. And you feel those hunger pains, if you're like me, by lunchtime, three hours in, suffering. You're like, I feel those hunger pains. And you have a choice in that moment. You can either do what I often do, which is text my friends and say, I'm fasting, please pray for me. And you hear the voice of God come back saying, you've got what you wanted. Your friends think you're holy. Your friends think you're good at being a Christian. Well done, Matt. Good job. Or you can feel those hunger pains and choose to pray, Lord, I want to rely upon you more than my body relies upon those calories more than my body relies upon that food, more than my body is searching for the next sugar rush. God, I want to rely upon you more than my body relies upon physical food. And you know what he does in that moment? He says, yeah, me too. Me too. I want you to rely upon me more than anything else. And he shows again what he's doing. His power is at work again, not because of what you have done, but because you've chosen to do something solely with him. Because you've chosen to solely seek out his power to see the breakthrough. His power to move in the miraculous. See, my deepest desire for you is that you would know a deep familiarity like Jesus has with his Father in heaven where you know his heart, where you trust him because you've seen him be faithful a thousand times before, where you can go to those difficult places and the stuff that really hurts in life and hear him say over you again, I I adore you, I made you for a reason. You weren't no accident. And there are things also, on the other hand, where God is calling your friends, your family in this space to to pray on your behalf. There are things that you need your church family to be praying and fasting for in your life. That's the way it works. See, in this story, Mary needs Jesus. When she's screaming at him, my brother is dead and it is all your fault. I guarantee that she's been praying over that body to be resurrected. I guarantee that they did everything they possibly could do to make sure he didn't die. I guarantee everything in her power to allow that miracle to happen would have already happened. And so she needs Jesus in this moment. You know, when we pray for each other, 
in about 10 minutes' time. This is not just a cute extracurricular exercise that we do on a Sunday evening. This is another human being beckoning the power of God to be at work in your life. It's not just a nice moment that you kind of feel a bit lovely and you kind of walk out, kind of like jumped up. That's not what it's about. This is a moment that we can see the power of God breathing life into us again and again and again. It's a bit like Jesus standing at the places where he's promised you life and laughter and love and, and freedom and healing and joy. But it feels like they're in Lazarus's tomb. And in that moment where another person prays for you, he literally pours them out and allows the tomb to implode. In that moment, Jesus pulls out life more fully, more beautifully than we could ever imagine. See, what's his promise? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? In the middle of the wailing, in the middle of the screaming, in the middle of the crying, Jesus, he looks upwards and he prays. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. See, I wonder whether... We don't see the productivity in prayer as we so desire, as we so ought, because we indulge too much in the performance of prayer. Jesus doesn't use technical language. Mary and Martha don't say anything particularly profound. If anything, they seem frustrated, they seem angry, they seem agitated, they seem fuming. And Jesus here, he, he's angry, isn't he? He's, we know he's weeping, we know he's crying, we know that he is upset, he is emotional. And it's a bit like in this prayer, he's, he's saying, God, I thank you that you hear me. Looks around at his disciples and looks him in the eyes and says, as I told him that you would, as I told him that you always do, as I said in this moment again and again, that you always hear us. So would you raise this dead man that we can have an injection of faith, that we may understand who you are again, that it would be a visible sign of your love for us. And I think that tonight God wants to take parts of our lives that we never thought we would see life in and, and pull them into being. I think that in prayer ministry that we're going to pray in just a moment, we're simply going to pray, come Holy Spirit, that in those moments God will resurrect places that we thought were dead in our being, that God is like, I have so much life for you in that space. I have so much joy for you in that moment. There are things, there are dreams, there are places, there are times that you thought, no, uh, God is done with that. And he is like, absolutely not. Jesus promises us to have life in its fullest meaning. And, and see, in prayer ministry, he, he pulls those things out of the tombs that we create for them, that we may live the most beautiful, whole, gorgeous lives. See, I, wanna, I want you to hear this. Our filtered prayers, they end in filtered miracles. Filtered prayers end in filtered miracles. See, it's interesting what the, what the, women, what the women ask for that, to this, Lord Martha said to, the, um, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now you will give me whatever I ask. She's asking for a brother back. She's not asking for anything else. She's saying, I want my brother back. And he replies to her, your brother will rise again. See, Jesus would have given these women anything that they asked in this moment. 
You know, if they had said, like, Jesus, I need your comfort. My brother is dead. I'm beyond sorrowful. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm mourning. I'm, uh, you know, the, the story, the, the title above the story would have been Jesus, Jesus um, he comforts his friends who are mourning. That's what they'd asked. But they don't, do they? Or, you know, they'd said, Jesus, we are broke. Like, we spent every last every last penny from our savings on this funeral and the embalming and in the tomb and everything else. Like, we got no money to live on. You know, well, the story would have been, the story above, the, 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 the heading above the story would have been, Jesus rains down money from heaven to provide for his friends in need. That's what the story would have been. But it's not, is it? What's the unfiltered prayer that these women are praying? I want my brother back. I want my brother back. My brother is dead and it is all your fault. Filtered conversations with God end in filtered prayers being answered. And I want to say the filtration system in our prayer life just is not needed. God doesn't need it. He sees you as you are. Why? Because he made you as you are. He cares for you as you are. He designed you as you are. He placed you as you are. He is for you as you are. You don't need to filter anything with him. Just be real. See, arguably this is the most effective miracle that Jesus performs. And it comes not after an eloquent speech, but it comes after raw passion and intimacy. It comes after a moment of familiarity that is bred in in an informal way where they're like, Jesus, I trust this is who you are. Would you do this for us? So here's where I conclude. Our vision, our desire is that everyone who calls this place home would give, serve, and pray. Why? Because we want, we want you to live your best lives, giving Jesus the chance to resurrect life from the tombs upon which we create, to resurrect life in the places that we thought was dead and buried. We want Jesus to reach into those tombs that we have created and say, I have a, I have a so much greater life than you could ever imagine or dream Let me show you. There's an amazing um, Catholic priest, a guy called Raymond Brown, and uh, he said this, all of Jesus' miracles are signs of what he is and what he has come to give mankind. Give him a chance to show you who he really is and what he has come to give you. The most beautiful relationship where communication is clear and life is lived to the fullest because you allow Jesus to transform every space of your being, not through trying harder, not through doing more, but using simple, powerful, intimate words. Jesus, I need you. I want you. Jesus, show me more beautiful life that you've called me and created me to live. Do you want to stand? We're going to pray together.